welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 11, Welcome to the Church of Scientism, Say a Prayer for Humanity. I'm going to open this podcast episode with a quote from Jordan Peterson. Quote, if the religious instinct does not find its satiation in religious activity, it searches for what nourishment it can find elsewhere in politics and business and education, and for that matter, within the confines of our private lives. Under such circumstances, everything becomes contaminated with unrecognized religious urgings and promptings and produces a zealotry whose intensity and danger is disproportionate to its putative cause. In consequence, it is now incumbent upon us all to engage in a most serious discussion about just what is Caesar's and just what is God's, understanding that some must be reserved for the latter, lest what is absolute and divine be attributed to the former." And that, once again, was written by Jordan B. Peterson. All human societies studied thus far have or have had religions of some sort. According to primatologist Franz de Waals, quote, there are no exceptions to this, unquote. The research of de Waals, along with that of sociologists, psychologists and anthropologists such as Robert Bella, Robin Dunbar, Jonathan Turner and Emile Durkheim, strongly indicates that religion arose out of the burgeoning capacity for sociality in the hominin line that eventually gave rise to our species, Homo sapiens, and in turn served a social need to bind individuals together through shared beliefs, rituals and spiritual experiences into a cohesive group that is capable of working together for the good of all. Quote, human solidarities are only possible by emotional arousal revolving around positive emotions, love, happiness, satisfaction, caring, loyalty, and the mitigation of the power of negative emotions, or at least some negative emotions. And once these new valences of positive emotions are neurologically possible, they can become entwined with rituals and other emotion arousing behaviors to enhance solidarities and eventually produce notions of power gods and supernatural forces. Unquote. And those words were spoken by Jonathan Turner, cited in an article called How and Why Did Religion Evolve, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode. Westernized societies pride themselves on their secularism, that is, separating religious beliefs, practices and institutions from the process of public policy formation and implementation. This separation of church and state has been a tremendous boon for individual liberty, freeing individuals to make life choices congruent with their personal values. Thanks to secularism, Western societies no longer treat women and children as the chattels of their husbands and fathers, condemn homosexual people as deviants, or persecute people with non-traditional religious or spiritual beliefs, or none at all, as heretics. For these and other gifts of secularism, we can all be truly grateful. However, the law of unintended consequences is always operative, no matter how benign are the intentions of social reformers, and the secularization movement is no exception to the rule. Capacity and need are inextricably related. The religious instinct is quite literally wired into our brains. And because we humans have a neurological and psychological capacity for experiencing complex emotions such as awe, devotion, and self-sacrificial love, we also have the need to construct a framework of beliefs that helps us make sense of these deep-seated and spontaneously arising feelings. 
Religious traditions provide us with just such an interpretative framework, but when we reject or lose them, something must step in to fill the void. And in secular westernised societies, that something is increasingly scientism, quote, the promotion of science as the best or only objective means by which society should determine normative and epistemological values, unquote, or in layperson's terms, the elevation of science to stand as the only reliable source of knowledge and the best or only objective means by which we can all figure out how to live our lives. This deification of science is signalled by apparently unironic slogans such as I believe in science, complete with religious iconography as in the meme which I've reproduced in the accompanying article. And in the increasingly widespread use of the definite article, as in the science, to denote the canon of current scientific dogma with all conflicting hypotheses and presentation of contradictory data condemned by self or government appointed scientific authorities, the new priesthood, as quote, unscientific information, misinformation or disinformation, unquote, the new heresies. But as anyone who has studied science at even high school level knows, science is a method for discovering truth that is founded on radical skepticism, not belief. The mindset with which scientists approach their work is that we can never know anything with certainty. However, through the scientific method of observation of phenomena, formation of hypotheses about these phenomena, testing of the hypotheses through experiment, analysis of the data generated through experiment, and either rejection or refinement of the hypotheses on the basis of this analysis in an endlessly iterative process, we can edge closer and closer to an accurate understanding of observed phenomena. Belief has no place in the scientific method. The edict, follow the science, makes no sense because as philosopher Matthew Crawford has cogently explained, quote, science doesn't lead anywhere. It can illuminate various courses of action by quantifying the risks and specifying the trade-offs, but it can't make the necessary choices for us. By pretending otherwise, decision makers can avoid taking responsibility for the choices they make on our behalf, unquote. And that quote was from an article by Matthew Crawford, How Science Has Been Corrupted, The Pandemic Has Revealed a Darkly Authoritarian Side to Expertise. In other words, the scientific method is the best tool humans have ever invented for gathering and analysing information about our world, but it can't tell us what to do with that information. For that, we need a moral framework, which was traditionally provided by religion. The deification of science as the science and the elevation of its anointed practitioners to the new priestly caste, whose interpretations of the science's arcane utterances must never be questioned on pain of excommunication, is the very embodiment of the dangerous situation characterised by Jordan Peterson in the quote that opens this episode. That is, westernised populations, having largely abandoned traditional religious beliefs and practices, and having found or developed no appropriate alternative for the satisfaction of our religious instinct, have projected the longings engendered by this instinct onto the institution of science. And science, being wholly unsuitable for this purpose, has become, quote, contaminated with unrecognised religious urgings and promptings, producing a zealotry whose intensity and danger is disproportionate to its putative cause, unquote. This zealotry manifests, for example, in a senior writer for the Journal of the American Medical Association, whose qualification is an MA or Master of Arts, thundering from her bully pulpit that doctors who even question the pronouncements of the CDC should be deregistered by their medical boards, and the Department of Homeland Security issuing a National Terrorism Advisory Bulletin, which labels anyone who pervades what it describes as, quote, false or misleading narratives, unquote, about COVID-19 as, quote, domestic threat actors, unquote, aka domestic terrorists. 
These calls for excommunication from the Church of Science for heresy and fatwas against infidels are the inevitable result of attempting to satisfy the religious instinct with an institution wholly unsuited to the task. The canonization of St. Anthony, I am the science, Fauci, by the corporate press in the US has spawned great satire for the Babylon Bee, and please do take a look at the accompanying post for the marvellous satirical article published in the Babylon Bee entitled, Local Progressive Church Unveils Stained Glass Window of Dr. Fauci. But satire aside, the devotional prayer saint candles are actually a real thing. Take a look at the article. You may or may not believe what you see, but you can get your St. Anthony Fauci devotional candle for just $22.50 plus postage and handling. We've all seen the press conferences in which public health officials and politicians preach nonsense about protecting yourself and others with symbolic clothing items that do nothing to stop the transmission of viruses and injections that don't prevent infection with nor transmission of SARS-CoV-2. St. Christopher's medal, anyone? whilst the acolytes in the press corps reverentially transcribe and promulgate their utterances as if they were the Sermon on the Mount. But increasingly, we see even those who self-identify as religious imputing importance and credibility to scientists or anointed representatives of the science trademark who make nonsensical pronouncements. For example, a team of psychologists presented meaningless but profound-sounding statements to over 10,000 individuals from 24 countries, attributing these statements to either a scientist or a spiritual guru, and found that all around the world, scientists' claims are seen as more credible than those of spiritual gurus, even among the most religious subjects. The researchers used the New Age Bullshit Generator, that really is a website, look it up, which combines New Age buzzwords in a syntactically correct structure, resulting in meaningless but pseudo-profound texts, to formulate two statements of nonsensical verbiage, referred to by the researchers as, quote, gobbledygook, unquote, although they noted parenthetically that it is, quote, also referred to in the literature as pseudo-profound bullshit, unquote. Who knew there was a literature on such matters? And here are the two statements presented to participants. Statement one, quote, we are called to explore the cosmos itself as an interface between faith and empathy. We must learn how to lead authentic lives in the face of delusion. It is in refining that we are guided, unquote. Statement two, quote, yes, it is possible to exterminate the things that can confront us, but not without hope on our side. Turbulence is born in the gap when transformation has been excluded. It is in evolving that we are re-energized, unquote. They then presented the gobbledygook statements to participants, attributing them in random order to either Edward K. Leal, a scientific authority in the field of particle physics, who was depicted as a man in an old-fashioned suit, or Saul J. Adrian, a spiritual authority in world religions, depicted as a man in robes. And from Australia to Turkey and China to the USA, the vast majority of participants were more likely to view nonsensical drivel as important and credible when it emanated from the mouth of a scientist than from a spiritual guru. Although those who described themselves as religious found the spiritual guru's words relatively more credible than the non-religious participants. It is not at all reassuring that religious Australians appear to be some of the most gullible people in the world, as you see if you take a look at the graph in the article accompanying this podcast episode. Perhaps we could take some lessons in healthy scepticism from the practical no-nonsense Dutch who were sceptical toward nonsense statements when attributed to either scientists or spiritual gurus. The lead author of the study, University of Amsterdam psychologist Suzanne Hergeveen, opined that, quote, 
Our findings suggest that regardless of one's worldview, science is seen worldwide as a powerful indicator of the reliability of information. In these times when there is a lot of talk about scepticism with regard to, for example, climate change and vaccinations, that is hopefully reassuring." Unquote. Really, Ms. Hergeveen? That's your conclusion? That we're better off believing bullshit from scientists than bullshit from spiritual gurus? In what way is it reassuring that most people in the world rate arrant nonsense as important and credible, but only when intoned by a priest in the Church of Science? Bullshit is bullshit, no matter whose anointed lips it emanates from. What the public needs is training in bullshit detection, not habituation to accepting bullshit from so-called credible sources. That training starts with an acknowledgement that while the scientific method is objective and values neutral, scientists are not. They are human and they bring to their work all of the human emotions that can cloud, distort and derail that work, including pride, envy, jealousy, fear of social rejection, failure and ignominy, craving for honour and recognition, lust for power and control and good old-fashioned greed. And, as Matthew Crawford explains, the image that non-scientists hold of scientists and science is a far cry from the way that science is actually conducted in the 21st century. Science is no longer an activity of, quote, independent, self-motivated truth-seekers, unquote. Instead, centralised funding and organisation has bureaucratised scientific activity, rendering it, quote, fundamentally corporate, unquote, and, quote, primarily organised around knowledge monopolies that exclude dissident views, unquote. Few scientists have the luxury of simply pursuing their interests no matter where they lead. The vast majority are dependent on grant funding, which is unavoidably political. Quote, as a practical matter, politicised science is the only kind there is, or rather, the only kind you are likely to hear about. Unquote. Once again, all the preceding quotes were from Matthew Crawford's article, How Science Has Been Corrupted. The pandemic has revealed a darkly authoritarian side to expertise. It is hardly surprising that certain individuals within the scientific community have personalities that render them highly susceptible to the allure of becoming the high priests of the new official state religion of scientism. Why would we ever think otherwise? There have always been individuals who wish to control and dominate others and to marginalise and persecute those with different views. When science is delegated the responsibilities for meaning-making and norm-defining that were formerly undertaken by religion, scientists with authoritarian leanings will relish the opportunity to impose their worldview on dissenters, both within and outside the scientific community. Unless anyone labour under the delusion that a scientific dictatorship would be any less intolerant, brutal and repressive than a religious dictatorship, it bears remembering that the democidal regimes of Stalin and Mao were reformed by scientific rather than religious principles. Jordan Peterson invokes Jesus' admonition to, quote, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's, unquote, to remind us that if we do not find appropriate means of channeling our religious instinct with its accompanying drives to engage in social cohesion promoting rituals and costly behaviours such as altruism and even self-sacrifice, we will be driven toward entirely inappropriate means of expressing this instinct. Widespread continued adherence to the pointless and costly ritual of mask wearing, even when its most ardent evangelists have recanted their faith, and the willingness to submit one's own children to a medical sacrament which offers them zero tangible benefits whilst incurring the risk of catastrophic harms, including death, are just two of the deeply worrying consequences of this misdirection of the religious instinct. Belief in science has become a cult which endangers the mental and physical well-being of its adherents, not to mention their children, and threatens to rip apart the social fabric. In a very real sense, it threatens our humanity. 
Because when we render unto science what does not belong to science, the personal and societal responsibility for answering the deep important questions about how to be good, how to raise our children, how to care for the sick and dying, how to grieve our lost loved ones, how to resolve our differences, dystopian insanities such as the images embedded in the poster coming this podcast are spawned and I really encourage you to take a look at these including an image of a Twitter post from the mother of a young child. It reads, up all night with my baby. She has intense reactions to vaccines and still she keeps taking them because she's brave and knows it's not just for her but to keep us all safe. So proud to be her mama. Hashtag get vaccinated now. There's also an image of children imprisoned in perspex cubes in their classroom and a person wearing a hazmat suit tending to a gravely ill person in hospital and a Zoom funeral. Science can provide us with data that can inform our thinking about these important questions, but it cannot answer them for us. Such questions can only be answered through deep personal reflection and fearless, frank and open discussion with our fellow humans in person, as humans have always done when confronting important issues. It is up to us, not the science trademark, to grapple with those questions. Science can tell us about transmission dynamics and R0 values and how immunity develops after infection versus inoculation. But it cannot provide answers to the most urgent questions that secularised Western societies are currently asking. How do we order our social, economic, educational and medical priorities in the face of a respiratory virus that is highly contagious but starkly risk stratified by age and comorbidity status? Do we wish to live in a world of human values where our children grow up seeing the expressions on their parents, friends and teachers' faces and hug their grandmas, where we hold the hands of our dying loved ones and mourn their loss together and where we are free to make our own fully informed decisions about the medical treatments we undergo? Or do we wish to become transhuman and live in the technocrat's vision of paradise, where our physical, digital and biological identities emerged via implantable microchips that can read our thoughts, as explained in Klaus Schwab's book, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is unselfconsciously subtitled, A Guide to Building a Better World, and in which we gradually morph into cyborgs. And a quote from that book, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, A Guide to Building a Better World, quote, Fourth Industrial Revolution technologies will not stop at becoming part of the physical world around us. They will become part of us, unquote. How do you want to live? This is the time for you to make a conscious choice. And once you have chosen, express that choice in your every action. And do not cede your right to choose to anyone ever again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials. And make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.